This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about a more serious topic, which is the topic of euthanasia. And I'm excited to have the guest, Dr. Danny McVitie, who's the co-founder of Lap of Love Veterinary Hospice, join us today. We'll be right back after these messages. DGP is an all-natural formula proven to help aging pets with joint and mobility problems. It goes to work quickly, providing vital nutrients to the joints while reversing the effects of age. Some people see results in as little as seven days. Don't let your dog struggle another day. Call 800-521-0543 or visit dgpforpets.com and enter code ERVET. E-R-V-E-T for 25% off your first order and free shipping. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. With us today is Dr. Danny McBeady, who is the co-founder of Lap of Love Veterinary Hospice and In-Home Euthanasia. Dr. McBeady, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Justine. So, you know, I wanted to talk about a pretty serious topic, the topic of euthanasia. And the main reason why I wanted to have you on as a guest today is because I know where I practice at the Animal Emergency and Referral Center of Minnesota, approximately 30% of the cases that I end up seeing in the ER end up ending in euthanasia. And so really, really tough because a lot of these owners have never met me before. I'm not their normal general practitioner veterinarian, so they don't necessarily have a relationship with me. But in the ER every single day, sadly, I'm diagnosing euthanasia. So I wanted to bring you on, first of all, to talk about what happens during euthanasia and when we make that decision to consider euthanasia. But before we begin, do you mind just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up founding Lap of Love Veterinary Hospice? Oh, gosh, absolutely. Definitely. And, um, you know, I graduated veterinary school in 2009. And and about three months out, I started Lab of Love Veterinary Hospice because uh, I found myself, you know, just like you, I was doing emergency medicine, certainly not the level that you are. But I did find myself in that same position that, that you just mentioned, meaning 30% of our families are facing that decision. And they didn't think they were going to face that decision when they walk into that clinic. And, um, and at that point, I was finding um, that, that I was really tapping into the experiences that I had as a volunteer for human hospice and, and helping families through the decision-making process and what you say and what you don't say when you're helping somebody through a really, really tough emotional situation. So it, it was really a natural progression that, that kind of led to Lap of Love. And I can talk even about how we came up with that name a little bit later if we have time. But I wanted people to, to really feel that as a veterinarian, I was honoring the bond that they have with their pet. And of course, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I want my own pet to pass away in my house. 
And I think that that's just the most, you know, the, the most warmest environment that I could come up with. So that just, it's this natural progression that kind of started as a side job. And it really blossomed into something that, um, that made it so that, you know, you, you see 90%, Justine, I'll see actually about 30%, you know, we'll end up seeing about 90% of euthanasias um, through lap of love. Yeah. In a previous episode on ER Vet, we had spoken with one of our veterinary board certified oncologists, Dr. Craig Clifford, and we talked about how, unfortunately, cancer is often diagnosed so frequently in the ER. And so one of the most common emergencies I see is the horrible cancer, hemangiosarcoma, where it causes internal bleeding. And unfortunately, owners don't have a lot of, quote, time to make that decision. They either need to make the decision to admit them into the hospital for blood transfusions and surgery, uh, knowing that that surgery is not curative, but it buys us some time or considering taking them home. And it's hard because a lot of patients aren't stable enough to go home to be euthanized, but super frustrating because owners should never blame themselves. It's nothing that they missed, even if it was my dog or Dr. McVitie's dog. Unfortunately, dogs and cats don't show cancer until it's pretty end stage. Now, when I talk to owners about the decision to euthanize. A lot of owners have never been present for euthanasia before. And I was just wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about what pet owners options are. Do they have to be there? Should they be there? Should they bring their pets? Should they do it at home? Uh, should they do it at their regular veterinarian instead of the emergency veterinarian? Do you mind just weighing in on some of those areas? Oh gosh, I have some really big opinions on this for sure. So yes, absolutely. And, and the, the number one thing that I could prepare families for is the actual decision-making process at the very beginning, because that's going to set you up for a, a good experience. And, you know, so many families think that it's their decision to euthanize, which in, in reality, you know, our clients don't practice veterinary medicine. We do as doctors. So I never want a family to, to call me and, and say, you know, I just can't make the decision. I say, look, the hardest thing you had to do was pick up the phone and call us. And then we're going to take you from here. We are going to be by your side, holding your hand. And you know, you don't walk into your neurologist's office and say, I need an MRI. You go in and say, my back hurts. What do I do? And then they tell you what to do. So I never want a family to think it's hundred percent their decision. It's, it's one that we partner together with knowing it's the best option that we have. You know, and then, of course, just like you said, Dr. Lee, there's the emergency clinic, there's the general practice, and there's home. My gosh, there's even the, your car. You know, I remember when I was in an emergency, um, late one night, somebody pulled up and, and one, of, one of my team said, you know, hey, doc, do you mind you know, euthanizing this farm dog in the back of the truck? And I said, of course, of course, no problem. They said, you would really? That would be amazing. This family would love it. And so I went out there and I, and I helped this dog in the back of the car and put a flashlight in my mouth, you know, and was able to find the vein and, and do what I needed to do. But that was still the best option that that dog had at that time. And of course, you know, then that dog was able to go back home and they were burying him at home like they wanted to. You know, personally, I, I, I love to have that experience done at home, but some people think, gosh, I don't want that memory on my living floor. And that's fine. You know, absolutely. I've, gosh, I've gone to the beach um, in the backyard at sunset on the back dock, you know, um, in the front yard, just surrounded by family, even in a grassy patch right outside of a clinic. Sometimes anything is better other than just the, you know, quote, cold sterile table that I hear all the time. Now, of course, you know, we are veterinary clinics and there's laws and rules around, you know, the type of environment that we actually have to have in a clinic that's regulated. But that doesn't mean that we can't also offer other options like doing it outside or, or again, simply in, in the car sometimes. But I think that the main point is for the family to think about what they're most comfortable in. And then, of course, also for, for them to think about, you know, what their pet may be most comfortable, you know, doing. And I really feel strongly that as long as that pet is comfortable and that, that the family feels good about it, that there is a sense of peace that starts to envelop everybody, which leads to a really good experience for everyone at the end. 
So, you know, I sadly had to deal with this with my own cat. And what was really interesting was my husband didn't actually want to euthanize our 19-year-old cat at home because he didn't want the memory of it happening in our house. So I ended up having to bring my cat to the clinic. And within five days, unfortunately, my second cat needed to be euthanized. We ended up doing that one at home because I was much more insistent about it. it. It meant a lot to have it at home. And then he actually said to me, I can't believe how peaceful it was. And it was actually nice doing it at home. So again, awesome to have that option. Now, when would you tell an owner that you don't recommend doing it at home in terms of stability-wise from an emergency viewpoint. Can all animals be euthanized at home? You know, I really do believe that as long as that patient can sustain a transportation back home, that it really, it can be available to anybody. I have had phone calls from families that are leaving an emergency practice, even if the pet was woken up on the um, surgical table because they opened them up and they realized that this is inoperable and the family wanted to bring the pet home to euthanize. So we as doctors, you know, we can mitigate pain and suffering. We have some fantastic drugs that we can do that with. As long as that pet can just breathe, you know, long enough to get home and or be sustained on oxygen. I've also um, had plenty of patients that have been uh, sent home with oxygen. Then I will meet the family at home. Um, I've even done it at three o'clock in the morning. You know, this one family called and and the um, poor little guy was um, suffering with congestive heart failure. And the husband got in, he, he took a plane home and landed at 11 p.m. And they wanted a couple of hours with their pet. And the regular veterinarian sent them home with oxygen. And they sat down with them for a few hours and asked me to come around two o'clock in the morning. And I did that. You know, and that honored the bond that they had with their pet. So, yeah, it was as long as that pet can sustain a transportation home, that it really is available to anybody. I got to tell you, also, I've, I've actually met other families at the emergency practice. And then the patient was then brought into the car where they're surrounded by more familiar smells, you know, even if they couldn't make it home. And then we've just simply euthanized in the car, which, again, has that pet on the family's lap, surrounded by, a, 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 you know, a more comfortable environment. And it works, you know, for those families and pets, it works. And it really is such a beautiful and just a, a peaceful process. Now, I know a lot of general veterinarians sometimes will offer euthanasia at the pet owner's house, but it's not always available in the middle of the night. And so can you tell us with Lap of Love Veterinary Hospice and in-home euthanasia, is it available 24 hours a day? And are you in all 50 states? Yeah, absolutely. So when we first started, I was available 24 hours a day. And that works so well when you have, you know, just when you're starting out with this type of service and, and it really did, it worked great. You know, it was very interesting though, Dr. Lee, what I found is that when families knew that I was available 24 seven, sometimes they would wait a little longer than they would have otherwise. And they would almost kind of wait until that very, very last moment. But apparently, um, or so I found cops don't like it when I go through stop signs and red lights and stuff. So no matter how quickly I could get up and get out of bed and rush to the family's home, Sometimes I wasn't providing a peaceful end of life experience when we wait till that very, very last moment. So, you know, so what we really did is it was tailor back exactly what we're here to do with Lap of Love. And what we provide is a peaceful end of life experience. And that is not always done at that very, very last moment. Now, that being said, a lot of general practitioners, like you said, will go to the homes of families, but they're already, you know, bogged down with their schedule. And for them to keep their doors open, they need to make sure that their schedules is packed. And with us, with Lap of Love, about 80% of our calls come with about 24 hours notice. You know, just like going into this world is unpredictable. You don't know what OBGYN is going to be on call that night you go into labor. You don't always, you know, have the blessing of being able to plan these things days ahead of time. So we're not available 24-7 anymore, but we are available from about 8 a.m. till about 8 p.m. 
but all of our doctors love what we do. And we do this for the, the fulfillment that we get. And that means that we have attracted the most incredible practitioners with us that are willing to go out, you know, as long as we have a, a little bit of planning time that are willing to go out at two o'clock in the morning. Of course, that's very, very rare, but it does happen. And I myself, gosh, this past, this past Christmas Eve, I went and, and helped four families between the time of 9 p.m. and 1 a.m. You know, so I got to see Santa sleigh up in the in the middle of the night. But yeah, we, we are available, you know, a great deal of the time. And we're not in 50 states yet. My vision is that one day, no matter where you are, no matter what city, what town, what location, you will have the availability of having um, a, a doctor come to your home. But of course, as you know, um, you know, veterinarians are pulled pretty thin these days. You know, we have the blessing of doing what we do. And that means that we're not always available at the drop of a hat right now. But that certainly is the vision that we're working towards every single day. Wonderful. We'll continue with our really important topic, uh, regardless of how serious it is, right after these messages from our sponsors. As a veterinarian and a dog owner, I can say it stinks having an itchy dog. My own dog has atopy, the equivalent of hay fever. So I totally understand having an itchy dog. For once, the saying smells like a dog is a good thing. Check out Pets Are Kids 2's all-natural shampoo and anti-itch deodorant spray. It'll have your dog or cat smelling amazing and feeling more comfortable, less itchy, and more cuddly. Go to PetsRKids2.com and enter code PET15 for 15% off your order. What's really cool about them is that they actually donate a portion of their sales to pets with cancer. Their goal is to help save 100 pets with cancer by 2020. Better yet, tap a picture of the bottle with your pet, email it to them, and you'll even see the picture of the pet that you're helping save from your sale. Check them out at PetsRKids2.com and enter code PET15 for 15% off. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. With us today is Dr. Danny McBeatie, who's the co-founder of Lap of Love Veterinary Hospice and in-home euthanasia. And we're talking about the pretty important but serious topic of euthanasia because in my opinion, it's a gift that we have for our pets. And obviously, we're the only medical profession where it is legal. And obviously, that depends on the state. But such a gift so we don't see that our pets are suffering. And unfortunately, I end up euthanizing about 30% of my patients in the ER because they're often diagnosed with end-stage disease or end-stage cancer. So what I've been talking to Dr. Danny McVitie about is the importance of the family, your veterinarian, and the decision of quality of life when it comes to euthanasia. Dr. McVitie, do you mind just explaining what exactly happens during euthanasia? Yes, absolutely. So during during the actual euthanasia process, you know, most doctors will do a, a two-step process. The first injection um, is generally an intramuscular or subcutaneous injection, which is a heavy sedative mixed with a heavy pain reliever. And it takes just a couple of minutes and, and the, um, the pet will just get very calm and comfortable. And then, then we give a second injection in the vein. And that injection is an overdose of anesthesia. So what happens is that the brain goes to sleep first and then the respiration stops and then the heart stops. 
you know, a lot of our families think that, that um, we give an injection that stops the heart, but of course that's not the case. It's, it's literally going under anesthesia, but not waking back up, you know, and of course, so many of our families will say, I just want them to go to sleep and not wake back up. And, you know, we get to say that's exactly what, what euthanasia is. And even that word, you know, it, it means good death. So that's what we have that honor of providing. And do you mind just telling our pet owner audience, how long does it take and what are some of the things that they need to be aware of during the euthanasia in terms of, you know, muscle tremors or eyes staying open, just, just some things that pet owners need to know. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the in-home, by the time I walk in the door until I walk out the door is about 35 minutes. So that's an, an in-home process, which is not unlike something that happens in a clinic from the very beginning to the very end. Now, once we give that first injection, we generally wait about three to five minutes or so. And every pet and every disease process and every, you know, physical state of that, the that family member is going to be different. But then once we give that IV injection, it takes about 30 to 60 seconds. So it is pretty rapid. If your pet does have any type of cardiac abnormality, that's the one time when it might just take a little bit longer, you know, maybe upwards of a minute or two. And of course, that is simply um, intravenous, meaning that injection goes into the vein. There are many other ways that we can give the injection or give that medication to a pet. You know, just as you mentioned, um, there are some states in where human right to die movements have been passed. And in the human field, they actually ingest the medication, so they swallow it. And it is the same class of medications that we use for veterinary euthanasia, but they swallow the medication. So the point of me telling you that is that regardless of how that medication gets into the pet, it just matters, um, you know, via the route, how long it's going to take. So IV is our preferred. But if that's not the case, if the pet's body is declining so rapidly that we need to use a separate route, it might take upwards of a few minutes, but that's very normal and that's okay. So the other thing, um, Dr. Justine, that, you know, as veterinarians, we, we want to make sure that we prepare families for are two main things that I tell everybody, which is their, their eyes won't close all the way and their bladder might relax. But if anything else happens, then it's extremely rare, number one, and then the veterinary will explain it to you if, if it does. So um, we actually did a study with Lap of Love of, of how many times um, these side effects will happen. And the most common is um, what we call rhythmic breathing. And as soon as we give the injection in the vein, there's this little bit of rhythmic breathing that what the pet will do just about, it kind of sounds like this, you know, <laughs> and that just happens for a couple of seconds, but then the brain goes asleep all the way. And then the body then just passes on. That's the most common. And that happens at about 8% of the time. There's other very rare things. Um, we can call it an, an agonal breath. And that's, um, even though we say breath, the pet has all already passed away. And what that is, it, it looks like, again, a breath from the outside. But it's a brainstem function that is just firing um, and resulting in a, a spasm of the diaphragm. So a hiccup is also a spasm of the diaphragm. So it's a very, very um, uncommon thing as well. And that happens at about 3% of the cases. There's also um, every once in a while some muscle twitching that will generally happen in the muzzle. Um, sometimes the pet can stretch a little bit. And that's, that's about you know, less than 1% of the time the pet will stretch. But all of these side effects, um, not only, again, are they extremely rare, but they also happen when in natural passings. Uh, a lot of times people have seen a human pass if they've had a family go through hospice and they've, they've been there. The stretching is also very common in cats at the end. And for whatever reason, cats seem to have a little bit of a higher rate of this agonal breath than dogs do. So if these things do happen um, in, in, a, in a euthanasia, in a veterinary space, then what I actually say is, listen, this actually tells me that your pet may have been pretty close to the natural dying process. And that, of course, lets families feel that, you know, together we've made a really good decision. 
And at the end of the day, you know, the one thing that I would tell anybody that's very concerned about any of these things happening is that, you know, mother nature doesn't always have a better plan in place. And just like we can have an epidural to make the process of, of birthing a little bit easier, euthanasia can make, you know, the process of dying a little bit easier. But that doesn't mean that it's without any type of side effects, just again, like the birthing process can be. So death is a phase. It's not just a moment. So these things aren't just going to happen in one moment and the body's passed away. And we have different definitions of death, even medically, legally, physiologically, and all these things. So even though the heart may have stopped, we can still have some latent electrical movements that the actual just physical body is experiencing. And that's when we see these things. But again, the most important thing that, that I can tell anybody going through this or facing this is that there's just two things to prepare yourself. And that's, again, that the eyes won't close all the way and the bladder might relax. And if anything else happens, number one, it's not uncommon and it does happen. And number two, the veterinarians is going to explain it to you. And it doesn't mean anything other than the fact that the body is just dying in its own way. Now, hopefully pet owners don't think this is morbid, but I do just think it's really important because a lot of owners never talk about this with their veterinarian, and so they really don't know what to expect. I think the most important thing to realize is when in doubt, talk to your veterinarian, your emergency veterinarian, and your family members about what decision you want to do. And we veterinarians will always work with you to make it a peaceful experience. Dr. McVitie, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Where can people find more information about you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Justine. Our website, www.lapoflove.com is our website. And there's a lot of information on there, um, especially evaluating quality of life and how will we know when it's time. A lot of stuff like that that will hopefully help families. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for the great information. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me any of your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time and we appreciate you spending the time with us for a really important topic today. We also wanted to thank Dr. Danny McBeady from Lap of Love and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. We'll see you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.